Hi guys and welcome to another Premiership Rugby episode of the Rugby Collective Podcast. It's been a amazing opening weekend of Premiership Rugby. So good to have it back. Um, so we take a look at all of the games over this weekend. We also introduce our brand new segment this week, which involves you guys and all of the uh, people who have jumped in on social media and submitted their controversial opinions. So that's an exciting format for you to jump into and get involved with, more importantly. And then also, we, of course, look at our predictions for the coming weekend of rugby as well. So tune in for the whole episode, guys. We hope you enjoy it. Plenty of exciting stuff around Premiership Rugby this week. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Collective Podcast for the Premiership Edition. Obviously, at this moment in time, we've got a World Cup edition and a Premiership edition. So we're doing two a week. We're working very hard for you people to keep you updated with all the lovely Premiership news. Um, well, and rugby news, just in general. Obviously, joined, as always, by Will. Um, Will was at a game this weekend for the first, well, first Prem game in a long old while. So I'm sure he enjoyed it. We'll get his views on that momentarily but I just want to say go and listen to our other podcast if you haven't listened to it yet after you finish with this one we we look for all the quarterfinals and we look um I give our predictions for what we think is going to happen in the semi-finals Will back at the home how did you find it I loved it I loved it I mean I do have a slight confession that me and my old man were Two of the people to leave early, um, which is an absolute Oops. stinker when you look at the end of that Gloucester result. So, so you um, missed the last try? Uh, yes, 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 we did indeed. So You, you thought um, Quinn's won? Absolute stinker. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, poor show from you. You should never leave before the end of the game. Yeah, quite agree. Lesson learned, lesson learned. I was in the chip shop after chips and curry sauce after the game trying to refresh the Prem Rugby app as soon as I could. No signal, absolute nightmare. Um, had a mate messaging in, um, thinking I was still at the ground, asking me what was going on, and I was just as scared as everyone else. But I did have a really nice moment when the win was confirmed. I was in the streets on um, coming up just from up from King's Home Road. I said, Gloucester just won, and then everyone in the road started cheering. So that was quite nice. You should have been in King's Home watching it. I know, James, I know. And you know what? I've not slept since. Have you ever left early before? Yeah, this is the killer thing. This is the first game I've ever left early in my life. Why did you leave early? Because Northmore scored, wasn't it? We we left just as he was kick, uh, lining up the kick um, for the Northmore conversion. And then it got disallowed and then he lost the score. In fact, if you, if you watch the clip, for those of you who uh, know what I look like, if you watch the highlights, as the kick goes over... You can see me and Dad leaving. <laughs> you can see me and Dad walking out of the ground. <laughs> there he goes to miss the end of the game. Um, yeah. We're going to focus, though, before we go on to the last game, on the first game of the weekend, which was Bristol-Leicester. Um, Bristol looked excellent. Um, you backed Bristol. I backed Leicester. Um, Bristol looks really good, I think. Um, or especially in the first... First half, when McGinn was on the pitch, I thought overall they looked um, slick, looked good in attack. And they really, I think the biggest thing is they fronted up to Leicester. Didn't, uh, any time Leicester attacked them, they fronted up, um, held their own in defence. And then obviously brought on Vakatawa towards the end. Um, Can't lie, I've got a pretty horrible thing to say about Vakatawa. 
What? I think he'll be great. I think he'll be great. That looked like a man who hasn't seen a rugby pitch in a couple of uh, in a couple of months. Well, by the time he came on, to, in fairness to him, uh, Bristol were just trying to see out the game, weren't they? They were they were kicking the ball. Uh, they yeah, they were just trying to control and yeah, um, not looking to play at all. And obviously, that's not really Vakatawa's game. I think. But... I think the best summary of this um of this game was, uh, sorry, in, of Bristol. If you took the badges, the branding. The the commentary blurred the players' faces, um, take the badge off the shirt, and looked at just the style of play that Bristol were playing. I think you could look at that and say that's a Pat Lamb team. And what they what they clearly tried to do paid off and worked really well. Their their attack looked really nice. They weren't breaking the line as much as we've seen in previous years, but just the general attacking structure was really nice. Um, but they fronted up against the Leicester side, who a lot of people would have expected to um sort of get the one up on Bristol. And um yeah, I was really impressed with the way that they uh they went and I mean it's yeah I think the league is always better when you see a Bristol team like this because it makes that that game against Bristol is always an exciting one um for whatever team you follow. So I think if we can still see a, a Bristol team go well, continue to go well like we saw on this first game, um yeah it'll be good news. But Christ alive James, Leicester were poor. Yeah, no, they were awful. But I think the other the other worry is obviously for before we move on to Leicester's Bristol is um obviously McGinty went off injured and after that they looked shaky, but they're not having a proper 10 on the pitch. You're always you your attack's never gonna flow as well. And also they lost um before the game, lost the prop whose name's gone out of my head, injured, and then they lost another one during the game, and they're already fairly weak in the front row. I think when you take out Sinclair and Genge, it's one of their weakest areas. So um, Lahif, Max Lahif, I think, was the one who went off injured before the game even started. Uh, yeah, I think so, it yeah, was. Those... Yeah, Lahif, Lahif dropped out before, so Jay Tyak came in. And then yeah. I think, was it Kloska? George Kloska, who was a converted hooker, has come across and then played in, and uh, come I'm, on in the I'm 30th not really sure. I'm not really sure, but I know they're struggling for props, especially with their internationals out. Um, but yeah, Bristol look really strong. One other thing before I thought was really interesting. I've not seen a team do it, and I think it's quite innovative. That's the word. There you go. Um, was in their kick chases. If you watch Bristol, and it's a bit nausy this, but if if you watch what they were doing, is anytime they got into any kick battle with Leicester, they were leaving three players. Normally Harry Thacker in the two props, so the front row or two of the front row and then the second row up and they were leaving them all three of them across the line. Um, and they were deliberately doing it and were 10 meters back from the kick, uh, from the receiver. So it meant that obviously from once the player has caught the ball, once they've ran 10 meters with the ball, they're all onside. Um, so they were standing well back from him. So they, they weren't offside. Uh, and it just meant that, Leicester couldn't attack um, and couldn't play out uh, or run back any ball. It meant they were forced to kick back to Bristol, which is kind of what they were trying to enforce. And I thought it was really smart, something I've never seen before. And maybe it, 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 I think Bristol will be looking to do this going forward, but I thought it's interesting they even use it against Leicester because obviously Leicester aren't necessarily a, a Quinns or a Northampton who you'd really associate with running the ball back and looking really exciting and attack. But um, I thought it was a really interesting tactic, yeah, that, as I said, I've not seen before. But it is, it is very smart because we're playing those three players there 
you do basically isolate the man. It means if he's going to run the ball back, he's he's probably going to get turned over and it means he's going to have to kick most of the time. Um, Obviously, it can go wrong if they manage to, if teams start to notice this and and then do a couple of passes wide if the players are there, that you've got three men out of your line. So it could backfire. But as of right now, I think it's a very smart move. Yeah, and I think it's exactly right. I think it's perfect for an opening game of the season. It's a tactic that other teams don't expect. You can deploy it, uh, confuse the other team, and then hopefully they don't adapt to it on site. But I, I think going forward, you might not see that quite as often because, as you say, other teams will pick that up then and um, try and figure that out. And I know that I guess the argument is you got the, those players can blitz up into the line um, as the ball goes wider, but then you leave quite a big opportunity for kicks in behind. So. It's um yes, yeah, it's a great tactic to use sparingly. I think so. It's a, a good one to to pick well, and if, choose. Yeah, if you've got those players, when you see so often in when there's a kick kick battle, you just see all the forwards kind of stood in the middle, not doing a lot. I think it gives them a purpose, and, and it means they're actually affecting the game rather than just kind of standing there whilst whilst they watch their tens kick the ball back and forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, but yeah, as you said, Leicester were really poor, looked really shaky up front and just not like a Leicester team. Um, but I did look at it for the game and they were missing. They're starting hooker, tight head, both locks, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, a winger and fullback. Yeah. So when you take away that many players from a team, they are really, you're always going to struggle, especially in that pack. Taking when Leicester is such a pack dominant team, when you take that many players out, it's always going to be a struggle. Um, and also, I, but the, the worry, not worry, but the thing I thought, I thought Dan Kelly was good, but I thought Ollie Hassel Collins and Josh Bassett, who are two players you've brought in who obviously have Premiership experience, look, are, are good Premiership wingers. I thought they both looked poor off it. And very hassle Collins for me. It struck me. He looks slow. Yeah, I will say though, um, probably more so to to fight Josh Bassett's corner. I think most players in world rugby would look poor coming up against Gabriele Batoye when he's in form like he was. Um, I think we've we've also said, James, that but between us, I say you look at that uh pack, uh, not pack, back line, sorry, of Bristol, and the the sort of worry point that you look at is is the wingers. I think they 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 don't have bad wingers by any stretch of the imagination, but the firepower they've got from 9-10 centres and then with Max Malins coming in at fullback, they've got incredible depth there. Um, well, they've got incredible stars there. I don't know about um, incredible depth, but they've got incredible stars there. And those wingers are are maybe the weak link, but Ibatoye shut those rumours down and then some. He was absolutely incredible, both, both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, he looked excellent. And I thought also Rich... Lane is his name, Rich? yeah. Rich Lane went very well as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he, he always really, impresses me, well. Rich Lane. Yeah, he, he uh, does uh, the yeah, fundamentals he, of being a fullback really, really well, doesn't he? Yeah, very sound replacement, uh, or backup for when obviously when Max Valens comes in. Yeah, um, moving on from that game, um, on to well, the biggest shock of the weekend by a mile, and oh, yeah. I mean, what went on here, but Exeter, what was it, 6110? Was it something like that? Yeah, it was up there. It might have even been more than that. I will double check that. Though. You you watched this game, didn't you? Sixty five. I did watch this game or most of this game. I turned it on after ten minutes because um, I was having a shower, and I turned it on. X to two tries up already. I was like, 
bloody hell's gone on here? 65 10 it was. I was like, how how I, I kind of expected a slow start. Uh, I expected Saris to be fairly dominant, um, as I think most people did. But I mean, we spoke in our predictions um last week how we thought Exeter might have a bad week, uh, a bad year. But I tell you what, they looked very, very on it against the Saris team, which looked so far off it. But I I, I think one thing that I think I've, I've, since watching the game, it's come to mind of why they look so on it. I think they have played their first team pretty much every game in the Prem Cup, and it looked like it. It looked like all of their players were right on it. Um, looked like they had that understanding of a team that played together, whereas Saracens just looked all over the place. It looked like they barely trained together before, let alone played together. Yeah, it's, I tell you what, it's a remarkable result, isn't it? We we spoke about Exeter potentially being in an underrated spot in the sense of they have a lot of young players coming in who perhaps weren't, um, who aren't household names. They've got a lot of big names who have now departed. Um, potentially, you could argue that some of them uh, haven't seen their best years in a couple of seasons now. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of promising young players. I know Greg Fislau went very well. Um, I know a couple of the other boys did as well. The two wingers have both looked really good in Prem Cup uh, campaigns in previous years. Um, Josh Hodge, though, I think is probably the star of the show, right? I, I mean, you watch more of this than me, but from what I've seen, Josh Hodge looked unbelievable. Oh, Josh Hodge was hilarious. Josh Hodge was, in this game, everything that Exeter fans wanted Stuart Hogg to be when they brought in Stuart Hogg. He was so good. Every time he got the ball, he looked so dangerous. And, um, yeah, he was all over the park, kicking excellently, little grub, um, little chips over the top, just on everything and so switched on and so fast. I think that's the thing. But then the whole back line looked so fast compared yeah, to but... ex- uh, compared to Saris. Saris just looked so slow. Like when their back line, as soon as anybody got to an outside shoulder, they looked awful like they were so slow like they couldn't get anywhere near them they were just breezing past them and it, this was including players like Henry Slade we know Henry Slade's an excellent player but one thing he's never really had is abundant pace he's never been rapid and he was blowing past all these players it, it, with ease by the look of it um and I thought yeah, Tom Parton had an absolute howler for Saris on his debut uh well prem debut anyway he was Awful under the high ball, missed quite a few tackles, and and the worst one of all was when he threw the ball straight to Henry Slade for an intercept and straight under the post. It was awful, and they did look better in the second half. With um, so they started the game with Good at ten and Parton at fullback. They switched at half time with Manu Vunapola going in at ten and and uh, Good to fullback, and they did look much um, more solid. Then. I mean, I say much more solid. They didn't look that much more solid, but they did look better. Um, they did look better then. Obviously, they only it it was already like what was it at half time? It was a ridiculous score at half time. Yeah, so it was like twenty nine something wasn't it at half time. It was more than that. It was a hell of a lot more than that. It was uh one. Give me one second. It was forty. It was forty one five at half time. Christ alive, Christ alive. Yeah. I think one one thing I will say on next before we just move on. Um, and I didn't watch the full game of this, so I will. Um, I'll focus more next to than Saris because it's easier to see the the things the team did well than the team did bad. 
um, when you go and you catch glimpses of it. Um, I think looking at this 15, right, if we're looking at the starting 15, it's, we, we've said that they've got a really nice combination of experience and some really promising youngsters coming in. Um, I think you look at uh, Josh Hodge. He's, he's a key man now, right? So he's going to be given that 15 shirt. He's looked promising in previous years. Stuart Hogg's just left and they've not replaced him with anyone big. So they've said, Josh Hodge, this is your shirt to take. Um, if you perform, this could be your shirt for years to come. Um, and so far, he's stepped up. I think Emmanuel uh, Faye Wiboso has looked brilliant in the Prem Cup. I don't know if you've seen it, many of his highlights, James, from last season. He is electric, which, as I'm sure you would have known now from this game, Tom Wyatt went very well last year. But then you've got the likes of uh, Henry Slade in there. You've got the likes of Scott Seo in there. You've got the likes of um, Jack Yendel in there, Jack Vermeulen in there. You've got these players. And you've got more to come back in, of course. Um, the interesting one for me is Russ Tuima um, playing in the second row. Not many people will have... He won't be familiar to, to a load of people, but he went on loan to um, Cornish Pirates last year um, as, as a dual-registered player. And it was my understanding that he was an out-and-out number eight. He is an absolute unit. I think six foot five and 20 stone was the last measurement I, I saw of him. How accurate that is, I don't know. Um, but that's the last um, sort of size, size guide that I've seen of him. So the fact that they're putting a player like that into the second row gives them a lot of power. And I wonder whether they're trying to mould him into the next sort of Dave Ewers type situation. But having him and Greg Fislau both being early 20s I think is an incredibly exciting pair to come through in that pack. So well, yeah, yeah and then you've got watch. David Jenkins and uh, Christ Chunza, who are also really young as well. Yeah, you've got a very exciting crop of players, and, and it's just about managing Ethan them. Ethan Root looked excellent in that back row as well. Did he? Uh, yeah, he looked really, really good. Obviously, coming from Ospreys, and uh, looks a really, really good addition. Yeah, so. I mean, it's exciting times for for these guys to come in, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll, um... And what a better way on a season that could have potentially, as well, as we both predicted, could could go down bad. I think it's one of them. They if, if it is going to be a good season for them, they needed to start because I think it's one of those young players, a lot of young players, and, and not a lot of expectation. You could have easily, it could have tumbled away. You get a few bad results, and it keeps going, and then you end up having a bad season. But I think. They could have a really good season now if they can kick on. And obviously, they'll play teams which play a lot better than the Saris teams. I think the worrying thing for Saris is when you look at some of the names of the players, Nick Azikwe, Marco Riccioni, Theo McFarlane, Tom Willis, Alex Skoud, Alex Lazowski, Lewington, Segan, a lot of their first team... I know they're missing a lot of players, but a lot of their first team was still there. And to get... It's like when we when we look at the Leicester team, uh, and and we speak about how Leicester lost. Okay, they they got battered around a little bit, but it was nothing like this game, which was just uncompetitive, really. Sarri's uh, extra ran through them like they've been running through teams in the Prem Cup when they just battered youth teams. This wasn't the Sarri's youth team. Leicester were in that game and they missed a lot of players. Sarri's were never in this game, and it was I think yeah, it's worrying really. Yeah, no, it is, and it's um. No doubt they're going to have a big step up when those internationals come back. But in a similar way to Leicester, it's about managing the the, the periods where you don't have these players in there. So it'd be interesting to see. And I mean, they host a, a Bath team next week, which will be a really interesting game. Um, we'll, we'll cover Bath in, in a moment. But um, yeah, that's a big game to go, go into, isn't it? Having a, a side like Bath who are on the rise, come to your place and then try and deal with them. 
And then if they lose that game, they then go to Gloucester on a Friday night, which could then be another big one for them. So we could potentially well, be looking at three games on the trot where Saracen's really up against it before we even consider their, their um, international starting to come back. And then there'll be another two or three weeks from there. Um, so then they've got Leicester at home, which will be interesting. And then they've got Newcastle away, where their, their internationals may just be coming back. So interesting yeah. times for Saracens. No doubt we'll, we'll say all of this, and then they'll turn it around and be shit hot and win yeah. the league. But, but if Saris play like that over the next weeks, they will not win a game. Because Exeter were excellent, and there's, there's no taking away from that. But Saris were so poor. And well, yeah, let's not beat around the bush, right? They've not just been beat by an Exeter team, a plucky Exeter young side. They've been absolutely hammered. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. As I said with the Leicester game, at least it was competitive. They were in that game. And Sarri's got embarrassed. And yeah, if, if they play like that, then then every team, okay, it might not be as emphatic if, say, Bath or Gloucester don't play as well as Exeter played, but it will still be a decent level, a decent feat. Um, right, we'll go to King's Home now. And as you were the live reporter on the on the ground. Yeah. Um bloody tight one <laughs> as you can say not even see yeah. in the end yeah bloody bloody tight one well to be honest I think um I'll go into Gloucester in a, in a minute um I thought Quinns looked quite good but I think Quinns looked quite good without really coming out of second gear I don't think we really saw too much from Quinns which said wow this Quinns team look amazing but they did a lot of fundamental stuff just really well their set piece went Pretty well. They, they they were pretty dominant at the breakdown as well. Um, didn't especially sort of with retention of their own ball. Didn't give Gloucester a look in really. I don't know the stats on it, but I think maybe one turnover from Gloucester. Maybe maybe even I, I can't recall seeing one. Um, but yeah, Qu- Quinns looked quietly quietly decent. I think Luke Northmore went quite well. I was a bit underwhelmed with Will Joseph's Seven. impact. Um, what did I say? Sorry. What did Seven. You say? Seven, Seven turnovers. So on the official stats on the Premiership page, Gloucester got seven, Quinn's got eleven. Christ alive, I wouldn't even put it near that. But there you go. That, that's maybe I wasn't paying attention enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Luke Northmore went really well. Really like him in a twelve jersey. Um, trying to think who else who else went particularly well. Don Bryant looked quite nice. Um, Jack Kenningham got nineteen tackles. Yeah, around the park. I always struggle when you watch a game live with tacklers. You don't typically pick up on it, do you? I think when you watch it yeah. on TV, you see it as like quite a because you see it from that different viewpoint. But when you're in well, the ground, they'll highlight if someone's having a massive game like that, they'll highlight it saying how many. When you're on the pitch, it's difficult to know exactly who's tackling who. Yeah, uh, um, yeah it is harder to see exactly, yeah. and also it's, it's the aspect of some of the time you don't know who exactly is being given each tackle because so many tackles are two players. It's like is that given yeah. as a tackle or is it? Just one of them. I think the one thing for for Quinns though is their driver more both attacking wise and defensively looked brilliant. I think they really shocked Gloucester with how they disrupted it. Um, it disrupted Gloucester's more, but then they also, especially in the midfield, they'd always go to a lineup drive and they would gain so much ground on it. I'm talking 10, 15 meters a um, a, a mall in the midfield, which was was really impressive. And we know once they get their big names back. Um, in Marcus Smith's and uh, Andre Esterhazen's and the, and the likes. That'll be a, a hell of a platform to work off. I think Jared Evans probably, when he came on, didn't have quite the debut he would have been after. Um, but no doubt he'll improve. But I think Gloucester are an interesting one for me. 
um, we mentioned last week on our, our preview that um, the introduction of Lightfoot could have been a, is that his name? It's Lightfoot, isn't it? Yes, I believe so. Um, yeah, his introduction could be a really interesting one um, because we know Gloucester haven't particularly attacked very well, especially in the backs. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they went in that sort of side of things. And it looked like their mentality has completely changed. Um, we saw so much attacking intent. We saw more phases per attack. I don't know the, the facts and figures around it, but we saw much more phases around the attack. They only box kicked once they were in a, a bad spot. Um, if they really did go through the phases and nothing came of it, um, the, the kick would actually come from 10. And then it was a much more competitive kick off of the boot of Barton. Um, they only really saw the box kicks when they were in their own 22 and trying to formulate a decent exit. Um, and then I'll, I'll caveat that with Zach Mercer in an attacking perspective was fantastic. I said he hasn't really kicked, um, hit the floor running yet, especially with his Prem Cup games. But this game really showed what he's been brought in to do. Um, making metres. He, he, just when you think he's tackled, he, he makes a couple more. Um, and he draws so many defenders in just to try and get a hold of one of his arms as he tries to, to pull these offloads out. Um, but yeah, he was very impressive. And obviously the late drama at the end to um, to, to seal the win is massive. That's the first win in seven, um, seven premiership games for Gloucester. So that is a big turning point. And um, yeah, hopefully sets their season off in good stead. But yeah, Quinn, I don't think Quinn's had too much to worry about, but they do need to get back on the horse for next week um, and, and not turn this into a losing streak. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for this for both teams really, and big thing for Gloucester now was just getting the win. Obviously, we spoke last week on how how bad they were in the back half of last season, both of the teams. And for Gloucester, yeah, it's just such a big thing that winning line and and getting back into that routine. Obviously, done it in the Prem Cup, but to do it again in the Premiership, get over that line, it's just such a massive hurdle. Um, actually, ironically, the last game they won in the Premiership was Quinns at Kingsley. Um, so, yeah, getting back in, in that competition. As you said, Zach Mercer was a bright spark for Gloucester. Um, looked excellent on his Prem debut for them. Lewis Ludlow, obviously scoring a try on his 200th uh, game, was massive for him and uh, go down as a Gloucester legend, I'm sure. Uh, the the one real worry, I'd say, for Gloucester is obviously Chapman going off in the seventh minute, injured. Um, they've already got a very weak nine department. And with Englefield also being out for a significant amount of time, that depletes even more. Um, so, yeah, you're really, really scraping the barrel now with nines at, um, at, at Gloucester. And if, if something happens to Varney, you do worry what, what, what could happen there so early in the season yeah. to have to have basically no nines left. Um, but, yeah. Uh, from a, from what I've seen of it as well, Luke Northmore is just excellent, isn't he? It doesn't matter whether you're playing 12, 13. He was excellent last season. He's going to be excellent this season. I will imagine Luke, Will Joseph will move on to the wing because from what I've heard, the wingers didn't go particularly well. So I'd imagine to keep Will Joseph involved, you'll move him to the wing because I can't see you dropping Northmore. And obviously when Andre comes back, he'll play as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree. Um uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think Nick David was significantly better than um, Tyrone Green. Um, Tyrone Green, we, we're yet to see him return to his best. And if he hits that best, then he's a worrying prospect. Um, but he still needs to get back to that level, I think, um, to really prove himself. But yeah, it was um, it was a, it was a good game. Don't get me wrong. It was a good competitive game. Um, so we'll see how both of these teams kick on from there. 
we will indeed. Do you have anything to say on the nine situation or just it's a bit worrying? I mean, on the nine situation, I think the, the thing is we've seen Matty Jones is the uh, the, the next boy, boy to step up, isn't he? I think he's a, he, he went really well in the in the championship for Hartbury last year, um, which is good to see. And I think he's come in and he's, he's had some Prem Cup experience now. Um, and he's looked decent. I think he had a little bit of wobble, a wobble in the one game I think against Hartbury. Um, but then was it against Hartbury? Might have been a different game. Don't quote me on that. But his his last game for us against Coventry, he looked really good. So, I mean, he, he, I think he's right on the cusp of being a good player in the first team. But I don't think he's necessarily proven that he's he's absolutely the player to come in and start every game. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he does come in against Falcons on Friday. Um, and how he does if he does so. But coming through the academy, I've heard a Harlequin. lot of good things about him. Pardon? You just against Harlequins. What, on Friday? Did I say on Friday against Harlequins? Yeah, but they just played oh. Harlequins. Sorry, on Friday against Falcons. Right. I was confused. I was going to say, played Harlequins Jeez. again. What's happening? It's tired. I'm late, man. It's like 20 past eight. It's, uh, this is past my bedtime. Fair enough. Um, well, from neither of us really saw much of the Bath Newcastle Sale Northampton oh, game. I've seen I've seen a bit of the Bath game. Well, okay, but um, I've seen Ben Spencer look very good, and I've seen Joe Cockenasinger really embarrass a winger when he gets up off his back, manages to drive the winger, throw him off him, and then put Ben Spencer away. Um, actually, I'm not the biggest Joe Cockenasinger fan. I think he's a good player, but I'm not sure. He's England international quality. I actually, ironically, thought he was exactly what we needed against Fiji. Um, a big, bruising winger. Um, I thought we could really have done with that against Fiji on the weekend. Um, but I digress. Um, do we know why Max Ajoma went off in the 30th minute for Finn Russell? Uh, no, I do not. I do not. I no, do not. Neither do I. But good to see Finn Russell make his debut. And the thing I would say for this Bath team is, look, it's absolutely stacked. Considering the internationals are away... It's so stacked, this team, um, which is yeah. very exciting for a Bath fan. Uh, but I think Newcastle put up a fight. Fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, from I what think, I've seen, yeah. I actually want to I actually want to focus on, on Newcastle a little bit, which I know seems backwards, but because they, they did lose the game. Um, I think Bath would be expected to win that game with all due respect to, to Falcons, and they did so, and they, they brought a lot of new players in, and they, they started to... Tie them together. Ted Hill went well as ever. Alfie Barbary also went well and stayed fit, which is a bonus. Um, yeah, Ben Spencer went very well. Obviously, you got the the existing combination of Finn Russell and Cam Redpath coming into play as well. Cockiness Senior went okay. Will Muir looked brilliant when he came back on. Um, and Matt Gallagher is still one of the most underrated fullbacks in the Premiership. Um, I prefer but- Tom DeGlamville. That's a conversation we can have. Oh, uh, no, I, I think Tom Glanville is very good, but I think Matt Gallagher is brilliant. I think he is br- like a brilliant, brilliant 15. Um, but quickly on Newcastle, um, I think there seemed to be a little bit of change in, um, change in, in process, and I think they tried to attack a little bit more, and their attacking uh, structure looked really good. Um, so I think Ben Stevenson, I know he got a little bit um, embarrassed, as you said, in that that one um, situation uh, against Cockney Senior, where he's got up off his back and drove him off the ball and then led to a trot. But I think once they bring in Mateo Carreras um, back in and then put Adam Radwan on the other wing as well, I think you've got an incredibly exciting wing pair there, which you need to unlock as often as possible. So if that attacking structure keeps getting better and better, um, then Adam Radwan and Mateo Carreras are going to have another stellar season. Did you see the out-the-back offload from Jamie Blamire? 
Oh my goodness me, James. Outrageous. Fair play. We love a forward who can offload. Um, say on Northampton, we really didn't see much of, so we're not going to speak about it. I literally flicked onto it. I was watching the NFL, if I'm being honest. Um, but the say, uh, what I saw, um, Sale just were well, Sale was Sale, they were good up front in the pack and dominated. Um, yeah, and I think I think Saints were also Saints, looked looked pretty good in that sort of uh, that side of things. Um, and Rob Dupree's is still the best 10 in the world, so he's not, but Northampton also. We'd be glad to see 20, because 20's not too bad. As we said with Snowfampton, if they can keep it down to about 20, they will win, especially when they get the international backs, a lot of games, because they often score a lot more than 20. So if they can keep that defence, and obviously say all missing players as well, I, from what I saw, Tom Pearson looks good, as Tom Pearson always does. Um, Bloody love Tom Pearson. We've got a new segment, Will. We've got a new segment that I will let you introduce, but I'm very excited for our new segment. I'm very excited for our new segment. And I think also um, our listeners should be incredibly excited for our new segment because it gives them an opportunity to jump on to an episode of the podcast. Um, well, sort of. You're not speaking. I mean, potentially in the future, if we if, if someone wants to come on and introduce their, their point, then they can do. They're more than welcome. We can try and uh, get that sorted. Um, voice notes as well are welcome. But this oh, new yeah. segment is called the Mass Debater Segment. So we ask one lucky fan, uh, one lucky listener to... No, we we'll ask everyone. We do, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's more helpful <laughs> if you listen. Um, so we ask you guys, um, who's listening now, um, to fire in some controversial rugby opinions to us. And we will pick one a week. So if yours hasn't been picked this week, then please don't worry, um, because there's every chance it will get picked next week. Um, so if you could message us on any of our social medias at Rugby Collective, um, that's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, Facebook. Um, or just DM Will. <laughs> or DM me if you've got me on social media, DM me as well. Um, but yeah, we want DMs, we want comments, we want voice notes. Um, if we can get you on the pod, we will um, to introduce your point and then we will we will talk about it on Tell here. you to fuck off, and Sorry. we will fire it out onto our social media to let the people debate it too. Um, so, James, our first controversial opinion this week our comes from... Our first mass debate. Our first mass debate together, James. Yes. Um, and technically our first mass debater um, is... Oh, oh, yeah. ...at Bath Hooper on uh, Twitter. So congratulations, you are our first mass debater. Um Caterpillar rucks need to go. Thoughts on that, James? Thoughts on that? Because I think I've actually got a slightly controversial view on this. Um, I've just sort of think, thought of the floor in our topic. Okay. What if we agree? Then we're not really masturbating. But the thing is, with the people, James, who are going to listen in and all of them, ah, right. okay. all of our hundreds okay. of listeners who are going to come back to us with their points, then it will become a masturbate and then we'll right. all masturbate okay. together. I was going to say, because if we agree, then we're not really debating. We're just mass agreeing. And that doesn't have the same ring to it at all. No, we can't mass agree, but we can all mass debate. Right. Okay. I get you. Um, Caterpillar rucks. I mean, they're ugly. Um, they're slow. They're slow. They do slow the game down. I don't. So I think it should be capped to one player. One player okay. can. Put his leg out. One player can put his leg out behind him 
eight because of ruck. So you've got your ruck form there. You can have one player come in. He can stand there, so the the nine gets a bit more of a leverage, because otherwise, trying to kick from the mess of a ruck, it gives you a bit more of a clean pocket. And one player doesn't slow the game down. Doesn't really doesn't make it all ugly. You can just have the one player there. That is enough space for your nine to get the ball away. However, I think, yes, I kind of agree that the three, four man caterpillar should be banned. It, it slows the game down because then it makes the, the referee won't then say, tell the nine to use it until it's about the ball's already out all the way back about two yeah. yards from the ruck anyway. So you've just touched on my point that I was going to introduce. So I actually think that the caterpillar ruck is better because I think if there's no caterpillar rucks, I think. With the way that charge downs are nowadays and how efficient people are from getting off the lines and the physicality and athleticism from especially sort of second rows been and how that's developed since the caterpillar ruck has functioned. Um I think you'd get so many charge downs to the point where you wouldn't see much much rugby outside of a 22, because teams would kick it into a 22, wait for a team to reset, and then try and uh, box kick it out and then just get charged down. And that would be how the game goes from there. Um, I think I agree with your point with the one man in the caterpillar. I think that's a good point. I think as soon as the ball is available, not available at the back of the caterpillar, available when the ball starts to get well, when when the ball's available, once the nine can't actually play it, when the it nine should play be it. called it should be called available. Uh, it should be called use it, sorry. Um, and then they need to be really strict on that five second, six second countdown, whatever it is, um, before it goes out. Because I think if that ball is it's it's available, but it's slightly slightly messy, and that that countdown's already underway, the nine is then going to panic a little bit to try and get that to the back of that um, ruck, and then that could see the game open up a little bit more because it won't just be strategic kicking. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, James, but I think I think the the ball needs to be called available as soon as it's available, and not when it's at the back of the caterpillar ruck. That makes a lot of sense to me, but also. The other thing is, refs need to start pinging players. They'll say, use it, use it. How many times do they have to say, use it? And then they'll take... Well, you meant After they said, use it, you're meant to have five seconds, aren't you? Sometimes uh, you see them yeah. stood there for 10 or whatever. And I think refs just need to be harsher on the use it. Once they call use it, you're going to ping them. Because otherwise, they just nines just take the piss. They, they figure it out quite early. They see that they're not going to get pinged for not using it for ages, and then they just never bloody use it. And I think once you've said use it, it has to be used. I've seen it so much during the World Cup at uh, either malls or the back of a ruck, uh, back of a scrum, sorry. Use it. Yeah. Players should use and have to use it. And I think if they don't use it, then it should be a free kick the other way. You've given them the warning, and it's up to them. You want to speed up the game. And, and for me, it's more there should be a bigger onus on the referees. Also, the other thing I think when you say about the caterpillar and, and charge downs, we've seen lots of teams now. They they position a, a man um, stood next to the ruck so that the, the guy can't charge it down because he can't get there. If if you just employ that tactic, then um, you can't really get to the man. Yeah, you can't charge it. it down as easily. Yeah, and you see a lot of the. Uh, um... You see a lot of the what the one last thing that, that bothers me this, with this a lot is you'll see maybe two men in the caterpillar and the ball is pretty much there, but the nine will keep it just so it's not at the back of the caterpillar ruck. So the um the ref won't call it 
um, won't call use it. So then he then calls over a third man to get onto the back, which takes another couple of seconds. And then he rolls it to the back of the caterpillar and then the ref will call use it. So you're probably looking at 10, 15 seconds for these rucks, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it has to change. And it's confusing for fan, like for especially during the World Cup and stuff. For play, uh, for people who are coming in and not necessarily big rugby fans, you look at that like, what the hell is going on? It's 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 weird because you're just like, well, what what's going on? Why are they all just lined up like that? It's yeah. Ugly. I think something has to change um, because it's is just stupid. So yeah, I think they either need to speed it up or ban it to one or two people or whatever. Yeah, I agree. So, also the other know. thing that's Ooh. confusing. Sorry, to no. just before you finish, is sometimes the ball will get called out then as well when it's slightly yeah. out of their feet. Other times it's not called out. Sometimes miles from the it's still not called out. So I think you then add another bit for the ref to look at because the balls go so back, far back away from the ruck, um, the actual ruck. You have all sorts of. Is the ball out? Is the ball not out? And I think you take away a lot of that uh, confusion and um, and potential scrutiny on the referees by just taking away that rule. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And if there's anything in our game which we can voluntarily take out of uh, the line of sight in terms of controversy and different opinions, I think the better now um, because it is almost every decision, isn't it, is uh, uh, seen differently as from every other ref. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, great topic there, Bath Hooper. I appreciate the um the uh submission there, and we will jump in and pick someone else's um controversial opinion so we can all have a masturbate on that one as well. But Will, did you enjoy your first masturbate? I really enjoyed my first masturbate, and I feel like our masturbate is only going to get better with the more people that join us in the masturbate. How did you yeah. enjoy your masturbate? I, I agree, and more experience, and I think we'll get into a flow of it get into a good rhythm, and I think we'll only get better with our masturbating. I agree. I think the, the thing with masturbating is um, experience is key. And the more you find out about yourself in a masturbate, the more you will learn about others in that masturbate, I think. I can only agree. Right. Okay. On to a more familiar subject. Uh, subject? Uh, what's it called? Category? No, not category. What's the word? Section. Section, there we go. That's the word section. On to a more familiar section of the podcast. The predictions. predictions. Woohoo! We drew last week. Well, did we really? Yes. Oh, we... wait, are you keeping a note of it this year, Jane? Because um, I can do, but uh, yeah, we drew because you went Leicester, I went Bristol. No, other way around. Other way around. Um, yeah. Then we drew with Exeter, Gloucester, and Bath. We all got. All for, well, we got the Saris one wrong, sorry. But we got the Gloucester and Bath one right. And then I went for Sale and you went for Northampton. So Beautiful, beautiful. That's a good start then, really. So, so one draw, wrong piece. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So we got three of the four, three of the five, three out of five, both of us. Not too bad. Well, bad um, news, James. I'm going to get this right this week, 100%. So Fair um... enough. I mean, looking at, I thought what's also interesting is every team... So every team that won is playing a team that lost this week as well. Nice. Okay. Oh, that's, Don't know that's if that's interesting point. or not, but I thought it was. Yeah. I thought there might be a team that two win teams play each other, but they don't. So, I mean, if if any of these lose teams uh, lose again, then they're gonna they're a bit behind the ball. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. So, I agree, I agree. So we'll start at Kingston Park. At, I mean, I don't like this kickoff time because it's going to be difficult for people finishing work to get there. I understand yeah. it's because of the World Cup, but it's six o'clock at Kingston Park on a Friday night. It's yeah, really difficult. I think, I think one thing is I was going to go. I was going to try and drive up there after work if I could finish a little bit early and then drive up there. But now, with it being a six o'clock finish, I just have no chance of getting up there at all. So, um, no, yeah, a bit of a shame on that. I mean, people in Newcastle will struggle to get to that game. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very true. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I kind of understand, but I think they should just sack that Friday night game off for this week and move it to a different night. Cause, I mean, no disrespect to Kingston Park. They don't always get the biggest attendances anyway, and surely this is going to affect it as well. Um, but uh, who have you got in that game? See, as much as I'd love to say Gloucester, I think they were quite they were quite open defensively um, against Harlequins. And I think Newcastle actually showed me quite a lot in terms of their attacking structure. So I think they actually offered more than Quinns did this weekend. So I think Newcastle, first home game of the season on a Friday night, I think it might be um I think it might be a Falcons dub. Fair enough. I'm gonna go Gloucester purely because well, purely well, one because I think Gloucester are the better team. But two, I think after last season where they got embarrassed at Newcastle, um well, Newcastle did the double on them for one, but B uh, played against 14 men for 70 minutes um, at Kingston Park last year and Newcastle managed to win. So I think they'll be really fired up to go there and win and have a really good start to the season. Um, so I'm going to go for Gloucester. Yeah, OK. OK, decent, decent. I think on the next one, I think I'm actually going to change and go to an away team. I think Bath will be pretty plucky after their first win of the season. Um and Saracens might have their tail between their legs a little bit, and they, they don't necessarily have as many leaders in that side as they'd potentially like. I think you look at the likes of Jackson Ray going, yeah, and then obviously your Farrells, your Atojis, etc. Your Vuna, uh, your Billy Vunapola, Mac Vunapola, not um, not in that side. That I think that could be a a big a big dent for them. So I think this Bath team will come. They'll, they'll, they'll start Bath Russell, I expect, and um, yeah, really want to take it to this Saracens team, who are probably going to be cowering into it. Well, Will's so keen, I didn't even get to introduce the next game. But on Saturday at three o'clock, there's Saris versus Bath. Obviously, Will's <laughs> back in Bath. Um, I will go... I, th I think a big thing depends on me, for me, is if Nick Tompkins is back for Saris, because... He is. He's back. He's back. He is back available. Their 12 last week was... Wow, wow, wow. That was... He was Who bad. played 12 for them? Ollie Hartley, I think he scored. Oh, that's a shame, because he he's, um, he's on my list of players that are going to be going to be pretty big time because every every time I've seen him he's looked pretty good yeah no he he had a bit of a shocker last week oh, um, yeah so Nick Tompkins stepping back I think but yeah no I've got to agree with you I think Bath are on a high and I can't get over that Saris result I think I can't see them turning it around but they're going to get a few players back but not too many this week and I think Bath will, and Finn Russell will really want to go and put on a big a big we are we can contend this season going away to it's all well and good beating Newcastle at home first weekend but if you can go away to Sarries and put on a show although Sarries might be missing a few go and put on a show I think it really puts their title credentials out there yeah I right. completely agree the next game is Saints against Bristol 
at Franklin's Gardens. I'll predict first, as you predicted the last one first. It's really difficult for me. Um, I didn't see much of Northampton, so it's difficult to know what they were like. But I, I am going to go for Northampton. I think if Bristol are missing McGinty, I think that will be a big miss. I know they've got Sheedy to step in, but I think McGinty's better. And I think Northampton will really want to put some, right some wrongs from last week. And we know, well, from last season anyway, they're a lot better at home. So I'm going to go for Northampton. Yeah, I think I want to do the same, I think. Um, yeah, just copy me. Yeah, yeah, I think I will. I think, oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, let's go. Back yeah, let's go Saints. I've, I've backed Saints to have a really big season this year. So I'm going to... Yeah, like Yancy Van Rensburg and Bakatawa in the centres. Oh, by the way, we didn't really touch on it. How good was Yancy Van Rensburg? Yeah, he was excellent. That's, oh, why, that's why you should go for Bristol, though. Absolutely love Yancy Van Rensburg. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah, Bristol. Yeah. Yeah, well Come on, I like the differentials. It means we're probably going to not draw this year. This week. Sorry, I actually feel a little bit sick after trying to the Bears there. Sorry. <laughs> and weirdly, at five, three, uh, five past three, I have no idea why this one... Just to separate it in case you wanted to watch both games. Yeah, five past three. Uh, Leicester are playing sale um, at Welford Road. Ooh. Tough place to sale. Sale. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think Leicester's pack looks awful against Bristol, and I think Sale have an even stronger pack, and I think Sale will go and stuff them. Also, weirdly, right, turned on the Bristol game. There was a guy, uh, no, the Bristol, the uh, Newcastle game at one point. No, it wasn't the Newcastle, sorry. It was the Sale game. Sale Northampton. There was a Leicester fan in the crowd. There were? Sale Northampton? Sale Northampton in Manchester. There was a Sale, uh, there was a Leicester fan in the stands with a Leicester shirt on. Well, he had a Leicester shirt on. I don't know if he was a Leicester fan, but a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Credit to him. Maybe he got James, lost. James, Maybe he got lost. He, he's trying to play sale a week early. That's what it was. James, rugby is always the winner. Maybe he was a scout. He was scoping out sale for this week. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> you sure it wasn't a player in disguise turning up in full yeah. gear? He looks a bit old for a player. He was like 60-odd. So... Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're both back in sale in that one. And then on to the Sunday game at the Stoop. Quins are playing Exeter. Now, that's an interesting one. That isn't it. I tell you what, what a game week, James. Two semi-finals and this premiership game week. Champ is back as well, and there's going to be some championship predictions on uh, on social media as well. So tune into those ones, guys. I'm also going to do a big GIF thread and just general thread of the championship teams going into this season. And I'll do another one for the premiership 15s when that starts. So tune oh, in. And also RIP Wasps women. Uh, Worcester women, sorry. Worcester Warrior women, women, yeah. Warrior That's women. another sad blow, isn't it? It's it's uh, a yeah, it's terrible. It I was just on my hype train there, James, and then you were. Uh... Sorry, I just it just came to me. Well I suddenly thought Warriors women has gone. No, sorry, but yeah, championship back. Sorry. So this this is this is what it is, right? Championship back. You've got two semi World Cup semi finals. You've got f uh, four Premiership game, five Premiership games, which are all uber competitive. I think. Um. I am excited, James. I, am, I came into this podcast. Did Leicester play Sale in the Prem semi-final last year? Uh, yes. So you've got a replay of a Prem semi-final as well? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, James. I came into this podcast recording tired after a long day at work and ready to ready to just sort of chill out. And now I'm hyped, James. I'm, I'm, I'm... Uh, you know what that was, though, don't you? That was the masturbate. 
That that master paint does that to you, doesn't it? It's got your pumps. <laughs> Nothing gets you uh gets your Nothing head gets a pump up on like a masturbate. Nothing gets you sorted out like a masturbate. Someone put that on a t-shirt. Um I think we might have to make the meat. Get the meat. Quite right. Um <laughs> I've lost my chain of thought now. Harlequin's um, Exeter. Who's gonna win? I think Exeter are gonna win. I, I think Quinns will be quite plucky going into this game. I think I've said plucky about five times this episode, but I think they'll be quite plucky coming into this game. Um, they'll obviously be kicking themselves for letting that game go against Gloucester, but Exeter will be on top of the world. And the confidence these youngsters will have um, is going to be huge. So, yeah, give me Exeter away from home. Oh, oh. Go Quinns, yeah, James. I think, go on. I think I'm going to go for Quinns. Yeah, I think Exeter might come back down to earth with a bit of a bump. Um, I think they just got everything their own way um, against Saris. Now, I might be wrong, and they might just be excellent, but I, I want to see them with a bit more of a opposition and a bit of a a team that just control not necessarily controls them, but puts up a bit of resistance because they could just have their way with Saris. Saris literally bent over for them. So I think Quinns will give them some resistance with the likes of Kenningham in the back row and, and Don Brandt, a bit more physicality about them. And let's see what these young lads really got um, when you when you give them that fight fire with fire. Um, obviously, Quinn's not nearly at full strength, but they've got some really, really nice pieces in there. Um, and, and they're nowhere near as slow in the backs as Saris were last week. So I'm going to go for Quinn's. So just to recap, that is me t- taking Gloucester, you taking Newcastle. Both yeah. of us having Bath against Saris. Yeah. Me having Northampton, you having Bristol. Uh, us both having Sale over Leicester and then me having Quinns and you having Exeter predictions done locked in fantastic and I know James doesn't watch a lot of championship rugby so I won't make him put um, his championship predictions together what do you mean you're calling me out for what, what basically you... James really doesn't like grassroots rugby and doesn't, oh, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. doesn't believe in the progression of the uh, yeah. of the game um, as you heard earlier on the podcast he sacrificed watching uh, rugby for American football this week which tells <laughs> you a lot about James um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, James, tell me, your favorite, t- tell me your favourite women's rugby player. Oh, hesitation there, sorry. But um, oh, hope, right. you this, hope you enjoyed this week's pod, guys, and uh, enjoyed the first masturbate of the season. Um, jump onto all of our socials to give your thoughts on the masturbate um, and maybe even a topic for next week. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed this one, guys. Hope you enjoy all of the rugby this weekend and we will see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.